Thank you for joining us for the next episode of CEO Parenting. My wonderful guest today is Lindsay Miller. Now, for everyone out there, understand this is very conversational, so we will talk to each other. You are taking a glimpse into a conversation that I have. I talk to Lindsay a lot, and so just the things that um, she goes throughout her day. She's a wonderful parent, wonderful business owner, multiple business owners, so we're going to talk to her. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So let's just forever. There's a lot of people that don't know you because you kind of fly under the radar a lot in the things that you've done, and that's probably by 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 choice. <laughs> so give us the 90 second version of like you, in like what grew up, college, business, just that, and then yeah. we'll obviously hit on some of those yeah. other things the, later. The elevator yeah. speech. Yeah. Uh, grew up in West Alabama. Uh, catfish farm catfish farm yeah so uh, my dad was ex-amish ex-mennonite so i grew up i did not know that working working like a working like a boy on the farm um finished up school in greensboro alabama and then i went to shelton state juco on a full ride like look at me go which is academic okay um i played all three sports in high school but um you know i knew i was gonna have to work did you play anything in college I did not. Gotcha. I did not. I never even pursued it. My my family, none of them have a college education. Right. So and they've done pretty well for themselves. Mm-hmm. So they were like, What are what are you doing? You don't have to go. Sure. You can like do other things and I really So your go parents to didn't push college on you? They did not. Um and what did they talk about then? Because, like, I'm in a crossroads right now. Working hard. Really? Honestly, yeah. I mean I I worked, I got paid by the farm and I worked on the farm and they told me I could go to college, but I was on my own. And so it was very different for me. Even playing sports for a little while, my dad grew up in such a way that, like, work and family were first that I had to, like, work really hard and then go play sports. Like, it was very um, – just very foreign to him because that's not how he grew up. He grew up eighth-grade education, worked on the farm, was a really? carpenter, and they did – that family has done extremely well. Right. Um, so would you say you came from, like from a middle class background or like upper middle class? Like? I would say they're they are definitely upper middle. They're probably upper class at this point. But yeah. when I was younger, they were probably upper middle, but didn't I didn't I never knew it. No one knew. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, it. Sure. I don't even know if they knew it. Um, but my granddad came down from Ohio okay. and paid cash for land like in the early 80s and just. And y'all were, y'all's farm was catfish. It is. We have about a thousand acres underwater. Yeah. We raise about six million pounds of fish a year. And everything six, is paid for. Six <laughs> yeah. million pounds. Yeah. Do you do it's the book? Do you do the books for your? My mother does. No she way. She works with me too, but she does the books there. Yeah. That's great. So I grew up with like you know obviously that's the ultimate entrepreneur. Sure. Background is in farming, but yeah, college wasn't a huge like push on me. It was like yeah, if you want to do it, go do it. But you, you got to pay for it yourself. Out. Yeah. So I, I worked two jobs the whole time I was in. I knew none of in this college. information. Yeah. <laughs> I knew none of this. I've known her for years. Yeah. It's uh it's funny because my friends are like you know I like nice things now sure. I like to eat well yeah. and drink drink good wine and stuff and I grew up like grinding on yeah. a catfish farm I mean I could still drive a tractor with the right. rest of them and, and do all that but yeah so I grew up very different background but very focused on mm-hmm. doing the right thing very non-judgmental family like right. I really appreciate that like they really saw people for where they were in life and, and not who they were or what they had so really great humble kind of background yeah. but very very smart business people um, hmm. that were farmers. But so they you said he paid cash either. for that land. Yeah, my granddaddy. And then did they develop it into catfish farms? Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, they did. Now, was Greensboro, so I know people from Greensboro, we're mm-hmm. Shout out to yeah. Will. So he's yeah. one that introduced us years <laughs> That's ago. That's right. Thanks, Will. So, um, so did he, was, was catfish farming there before y'all moved there? It was. It was just kind of starting down okay. there. And I don't know exactly like where it came yeah, from, yeah, but sure. it was obviously happening in the Delta over in Mississippi. Right. Mississippi was much more like they got into it a lot faster than West Alabama, but we have similar soil, right? Clay-based soil. Um, it's the black belt, so you've yeah. got really good uh, soil on top of clay, mm-hmm. and so it's really built for. My granddaddy kind of researched the water a little bit down there too, so we're really in the middle of like a really strong aquifer and a lot of natural water resources uh, too. Yeah, so my this gran- wasn't happenstance. No, my granddaddy uh, um, also eighth grade education because he was ex-Amish. Right. Um, very very smart when it came to business and real estate and land. And, um, but he had bought and owned a lot of land in Ohio and actually okay. was a builder, developed it, built his own roads, built his own houses, made his money up there, kept the oil and mineral rights, wow. picked up and moved to Alabama, paid cash for land and continued to pay 
cash for land um, wow. as he went through it. So he just let's talk. Let's don't year. forget that. I want to talk about that yeah. when we get like toward the ends, like the paying cash for land and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. I know you probably have opinions of that. All right. So go ahead. You went to Shelton and then yeah. from there where? And then I people really don't know this and I don't know how I feel yes. about it, but I went to Auburn. I'm a Hold huge on one Alabama second. fan. The voicemail is roll tide. I'm a huge Alabama okay, fan. Yeah. Always was, but I um I went into Ag Econ. I wanted to go into agriculture. Okay. I loved where I was raised. I loved the farm. I loved that it was really hard work. It made me want to go learn more and have a backup plan. Sure. And my dad did encourage that, especially in, you know, after nine eleven and everything. He was mm. like, Hey, a backup skill set's not gonna be bad. But I still wanted to go into ag. And okay. so Auburn gave me a scholarship. Obviously Alabama doesn't have ag. Right. Mississippi State was um, going to be out of state, so yeah, I went to Auburn. Okay. Yeah, and um, I was probably having too much fun in Tuscaloosa anyway. Sure. So I actually went and finished undergrad at Auburn, but I switched to accounting um, middle of my first year there because I had a knack for it. Yeah. Um, so I ended up getting my undergrad in accounting mm-hmm. in Auburn. Then I got to uh, UAB. So why did you <laughs> – so if ag – Ag was like a passion, and like you really yeah. wanted to do it. But yeah. what made you switch? Just because, hey, I'm good at this. I want yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, really, this. a couple of teachers came to me, and I, I don't think I really understood what kind of path there was in that. I, I just I wasn't exposed to a lot of that. Yeah. My mom has a bookkeeping background, and very my mother could have, if she'd have went to school, she could have been a CEO right. of any any Fortune 500. But um, so I knew some about it, sure. but I didn't really realize what all career paths she could take from it. And my dad actually had a conversation with me. He said, like, Lou, he called me Lou. Lou, you know, how, we can teach you how to farm. So I'm not sure that's, that's what true. you should go to school for. Like, if, if you're bound and determined to do that, why don't you pick something else? And so um, accounting was something I was really good at. Graduated so, from Auburn, and then what? UAB, grad school. What did you do in grad school? Master's in accounting. Really? Didn't yeah. know that either? Yeah. From there where? Um. So that was, I was at Zoe's part-time. So when you were at grad school, you worked mm-hmm. at Zoe's part-time. I did. You started at Zoe. Okay, so this is a great part of the story. So you started at Zoe's doing what? I was front desk, like the host cashier. 12 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even. Not even. Not even then. Okay. Yeah, and so I was going to school at night. I was in the, the nighttime program at UAB. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I was there about six or seven months. I'd gotten promoted up to shift lead pretty quick. And the store I was at was in Crestline, and John okay. owned half, and his mom and John dad owned half. Yeah. Okay, so, so the Zoe's I remember was the one downtown. Yep, that was the original. Or, there was an original, original downtown. Then there was. They That's the one I used to go to. Mm-hmm. Then there was one in Homewood. Yep, and now there's well. Yeah. Everything's in the past tense everything's now. Everything's <laughs> all yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, then there was one. Downtown. So you start working there in grad school. With mm-hmm. John. Yep. So John owns the place, but John's, John Casmus, he's also running the place, him and his mom, right? Yeah, so this one, Zoe and Marcus still own the one in Homewood, like the OG one that most people remember. Right. Um, right down the road from Soho. Um, and then John and his dad and mom, like they all co-owned the Crestline location. Okay. So it was really fun. Like one would come in and be like, let's put the phone over here. And then the next one would come in and be like, why is the phone over there? It was it was great commissioning. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they're great. They're like another family to me. Um, like an amazing, loud, smart Greek family yes. um, to me. So anyway, I didn't stay in the store level long. I moved up into more of a, like a assistant controller role. Okay. And I think I was with the company. Let's see. I started close to the end of '04. The beginning of '07, the CFO resigned, and John. So I was like 25 years old. No, it was, yeah, it was 2007. John called me. I was flying back from Dallas. I was like the fill-in GM. Like okay. if a GM went down, I was working in accounting, but I was like doing anything they told me to do, basically. Okay, so when you were there, you started at the front desk, and there was only like two st- one or two stores. Yeah, I think there was a few, um, like Patton Creek, Archie Andrews, and part of that one. There was, I think there was four. Okay, so you started, started there with four stores, mm-hmm. and then from there, where did it go? So, when John owned the place, because so after John after it yeah. sold, it was a totally different animal. John grew it to nineteen to twenty one, I believe, and we sold it in 07 private equity. So you were there oh four to 07. Only three I was, years. No, no, no. I was there for thirteen and a half years. I was there till we went public. Oh, so you were there I even stay, after? I, I was John CFO when he sold private equity in 07. Okay. When did you start then? What year was that? In when you o- start? The end of 04, I started. Okay. And then by o- at the beginning of 07. CFO resigned and I was like 25 years old yeah. and he was like, can you do the CFO job? And I was like, sure. sure. Got it. 
Yeah. Little did I know about six to seven weeks later, he hired a broker to go sell. So, wh- so how long did you stay there at, at that point? So I stayed. I mean, I didn't stay in the accounting role, but I stayed. So we started the process early 07. We closed on Halloween of 07. I did all, led all the due diligence for us with a group out of uh, California, bought yeah. majority. Um, and then I stayed. They brought in their own CFO and their own um, CO, CEO um, when John left. Right. And then I moved into operations at that point. They let me kind of pick where I wanted to go because I was doing it all. Sure. So I ran, I was one of the first multi-unit operators and I ran most of the Southeast and then I moved up. I was VP of ops when I left in the end of 17 and I had 40 restaurants underneath me. When you say I had 40 restaurants underneath you, what does that mean? Like you just made. So I had eight regionals under me and they collectively ran 40 different restaurant units in the Southeast. So when you, okay. (laughs) So from 04 to 07, it was a small, op, smaller, smallish operation, family-owned operation, 19, 19-ish stores. Growing very quickly. Right. Did you have any equity at that point? I did not. I got my equity when we sold private equity in 07. How much did you get there percentage-wise? Um, I don't remember the percentage. Honestly, at all, I, I couldn't tell you now because there was like three different times that it had some sort of value multiplier yeah and then even when we went public so it i didn't get anything until we went public like i had equity when we sold in 07, in 07. and then when we rang the bell in 14 i got my money then so did I don't you, know when did you leave 17 i left in 17 it was getting rough okay when you left in 17 okay so i don't understand this so educate yeah, me you're good. when it goes public in 14 mm-hmm. and you've got let's just use the number 10 I don't yeah. know, 10% yeah. of mm-hmm. 10%. I know it's probably not that much. 10%. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just say it's 2% equity. Yeah. How do you make money at that point when it goes public in 14? So the value is immediate. Like sure. Whatever. Um, it was kind of called a, a waterfall valuation effect. So basically, based on things that I do not know because I wasn't in the finance part of it then, they came out and said, ours actually went up. We had X amount of shares of like B stock and they got converted into what is B B stock there's like a stock B stock C stock it just depends on how corporation is done but um different levels have different rights like I didn't have voting rights but I had equity and I was higher up in because I was like literally one of two people left with that kind of you were higher up some of the voting people at yeah, the time I, I had more than a lot of the c-suite people okay so when they sold can you go and can you cash all that stuff in then or do you so have a, a, a waiting still, period if you're still with the company you have insider trading rules so so you, you had can, to leave you can you have it you own it but you can only buy and sell within the open windows which is after the pu- the public is allowed to know everything that happened in the prior quarter and then you can trade too but you're at the disadvantage of now everyone just heard whatever happened. Right. And you're many times selling into a, a, a downside. Okay, so you left in 17. Mm-hmm. I'd sold half of it at that point, and I sold the rest when I left. I should have sold more. I, Do you have I, any now? No. I sold all of it like two weeks after I left. Okay. When you left, okay, when you left there and you had that whatever that pot of money was, what'd you do with that money? I'd already been flipping. Okay. Some of it. So, right. so here we go. Yeah. So right. I'd cashed out um, starting in 14. I'd started to cash some out. I, I should have cashed out more. Earlier. Yep. Yeah, earlier. Um, not in the beginning because it did go up. I did. We did take it, it. I think we went public at strike price at 15 and the high was uh, somewhere in the earth, top 40s or 50, low 50s. Okay we weren't able to trade during that time but you know i still sold some in that 30 range um, and did really well off of that but i held a lot of it until it went back down but either way i had already cashed some out and so i was already using that to flip Um, when you say flip you mean flip houses yeah so i was buying the property and then i had a business partner that would the the contractor Mm -hmm. okay so just like we've done yep okay how many of those did you do in that in that time frame that was this was back uh 15 16 17 so Mm -hmm. pretty average market nothing nothing, crazy nothing crazy it wasn't like crazy to get in it wasn't crazy to get out solid returns i think we only lost money on one um he, let's see. We probably did seven or eight. We were only doing. I was doing like two, two to three a year during that time. Okay. So, when you leave Zoe's, you already had some of this other side stuff going on. No kids at the time. No. When you leave Zoe's, what did you transition to doing then? Um, I was still doing that a little bit. We right. were in the middle of opening 
really more of a passion project, which is a coffee shop back home. It's still open. My mom and her friends and some local people own it now. Mm -hmm. So I opened, we opened that the end right before, like right after I left Zoe. So we were already doing that. I knew it was time for me to go. Leave Zoe's? Yeah, I knew it was time for me to go. Like the culture was changing in a massive way. There was a big change. So like I was a frequenter. So like we moved, we moved away from Birmingham in 02, no, excuse me, 03. And we were gone for 17 years. I didn't know that. Wait, where did you go? 15 years. We were gone for 15 years. So that's where I met Will. So we went to Atlanta for two years. Okay, that's right. And then we went to North Carolina for two years. We got fired in North Carolina, and we went to Cookville for 11 years. But during that process, y'all sold. And, like, I saw, like, I want to say we had one in Nashville. I think Will ran one of the ones in Nashville. Yeah, And so we saw that, we saw the process of the growth. I saw the one in Destin. So you Mm -hmm. saw that. And then it's like, I think when we moved back, we moved back in 17. And at that point, 17, 18, 19... It started to be different. Yeah. Here's when it started to be different. When they started selling wine. That was weird. Walking into yeah. Zoe's. And I'm not, I don't, wine's fine. I'm not a wine drinker myself, but like wine's well, fine. But that's when they started selling wine, it was like, it's different. It was one of many things. So what you had is, um, you know, when John left, uh, we had a CEO out of California come mm. in. And Zoe's was, was Greek, but it was still Southern. Southern, you yeah. It was still Southern concept. Um, Southern hospitality was at the forefront of everything we did and knew there was Southern food on the menu, right. Greek food on the menu. And so you had, we opened Atlanta with a brand new menu, very different, real dishes, way more complicated. I think our GM broke out in hives mm. like the day we opened. And so you took something really simple. Yeah. I mean, it was really simple, like simple, tasty, fresh. Reps, kebabs. Like, that was the, the tagline for a reason. Um, and you could execute it. You could execute it without a lot of stress. And people don't understand that that's a huge deal in food. It's like being oh, yeah. repeatable and being easy. Yeah. And so they did a huge, like, massive overhaul right when John left. It kind of got back to okay. Yeah. And then um, they ended up moving the corporate office out to Plano, which was, was fine. But that CEO left. And then another CEO came in. And he actually put some pretty good people around him. And we had some protection from, for operations at the table. And yeah. what I mean by that is like the C-suite would get together and throw out ideas because everyone wants to make their thumbprint on a growth company like Absolutely. that. And like, okay, but you got to protect the field mm-hmm. a little bit. And um, there were some really good people at the table for a while that would be like, oh, man, that's going to that's gonna kill our back-of-the-house team. Or, hey, we can't ask people to be good to a customer client coming up with we're asking them to do four more things at the register. Sure. And um, then that that left. We we had some exodus um, after we went public, um, and some of the people at the table that knew how a store actually ran left. And there was there was really an, in its essence, there became no one to protect the people in the field. The doing, people in the stores. The hard work. Wow. Yeah. And um, I kind of stayed and felt like I, I felt like I was protecting my team from my own company mm. the last couple years. And. I was probably like more emotional about it than I wish I'd have been because I had so much like blood, sweat and tears on the field and I've been there so much longer than everybody. I mean, I was, I was kind of the thorn in their side on change a lot because I stay too long. Um, you know, I would say, I don't know. No one ever likes to say regret, but I stayed too long for, I, I was not a good employee probably the past, the last year I was there because they had they were doing so many things I didn't believe in. Yeah, I just didn't hard. believe in anything they were doing. However, I learned a lot that sure. last year. I actually saw like they it, it started a, kind of imploding about seven months after I left, and I told the CEO before I left exactly what was going to happen if they kept doing what they mm. were doing. And um, but you know you get a lot of there's a lot of pressure that comes with going public and a lot. You know you start answering to the streets and you kind of forget the recipe that brought you there. Right. It, it gets a little rough. So I, I don't know if there's like anybody to blame. It's just kind of a bad situation in general. Sure. You went from like being the darling of the fast casual to some extent yeah. to getting bought out by a competitor with a fifth of the store count mm. that you had. And now we see Kava's popping up everywhere. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Um, and they, you know, they bought Zoe's for the real estate. And so anyway, it's, it makes me sad because I know Zoe. Like, yeah. And I know her husband and no john and no all those you you know you're like man kind of 
it's heartbreaking because that was the American dream. They were, you know, Zoe and Marcus Absolutely. were like about, they didn't know what they were going to no. do for money. And then they opened something and it went really well. And John realized it was going well and grew it. Then it goes in pri- private equity sale, a great exit for John. I think we were at a 10 time multiple on that. Then it goes public and it's yeah. just a mom and pop. And it's like crazy in Birmingham, Alabama. Counter service didn't yeah. even take credit cards. And it right. went to that. So when you're like, man, I had a front row seat to like the American dream. Yeah, absolutely. And then I saw it get done wrong. Right. There's a lot of learning in that. So as much as I probably shouldn't have been there, as long as I was, I learned a lot. Learned a lot and pretty thankful for that. Yeah, I did. So you left there, opened this coffee shop, and then from there, where did it? So do your flipping <laughs> yeah, also. I was flipping. I yeah. mean, I, I did. I really planned to not do anything. Okay, so let me ask this: In that <laughs> position, you were probably making a pretty good living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No man, no boyfriend, no, 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 no nobody, just you <laughs> just rolling. Me. So no man, no nothing, and you're making a pretty good living. Mm-hmm. Why did you want to start doing the flipping? Because you had excess money and you wanted to put it to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really. I mean, I wouldn't say I was playing with the house's money, but I mean. I didn't put anything. I put time and effort into Zoe's, but I, I got a nice chunk. Yeah. And I need, I needed to put it to work. Sure. I, and I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, I actually applied to be a pure bar franchisee because I really liked the fitness space. Yeah. And I was like, I can hire somebody to do to run that, and I think that'd do pretty well. And they turned me down because I had no fitness background. It's funny now. Mm. But um, but and, I, and that's okay. But then um, I met a guy that was doing flipping, and he was like. Um, he needed help with the books and my mom was like did our books but I just I did one with him and it went really well and I didn't have to touch it honestly I was I was the bank and yeah sure I would go check on stuff and we kept the book so we knew it was on the up and up but it was just really really easy yeah and and I own the asset so if worse came to worse I'm sitting on a hard asset (laughs) okay so let's talk technically on that so when you did that did you buy the buy the house, buy the land, and he just did the work and you paid for the work too? Or did you did he take out a mortgage with you and you loaned him the money? So we I would pay cash for the houses. Right. Um and then I would own the houses and then he would come in and he would pay for the reno and run the reno. So you still own the house. Mm-hmm. See with yeah. ours, we did it the other way around. Other way. Mm-hmm. So I how was the bank? And then Justin took out a mortgage with me. Yep. And he had the money and he did all the work. And then the back end, we obviously split yep. it just like y'all. Just two ways. There's so many ways to sure. do it. I've done flipping, I'm, I do some flipping investment now mm-hmm. with a local guy. And I, all I do is write a check and it's more of like a bank note. But we just did a joint venture because there's more upside and then he's not upside. I've seen it done so many ways. I think the best way to do it. Um, is always to, to have profit share and not guaranteed payback for the investor because you can get yourself in in real trouble with that yeah. as a flipper, right? Or anybody that's taking investment and says, well, you're going to get 15 points back on this in six months no matter what, and the housing market does what it's doing right so now. So you, you've gotten to the point. I remember you having a conversation earlier. You don't always take half the profit. You take – you don't do that anymore at all, do you? Well, on this joint venture, we're doing 50-50. But, like, normally you loan somebody $100,000 and you're saying – Give me fifteen percent. Yep, that's how I've done it sometimes, and it's great for me. What are you doing? What are you doing right now, percentage-wise? So it, I've when, negotiated twenty points. I mean, twenty percent within. So whatever I give them is typically been a nine in nine months. You'll get my money back plus plus twenty percent. Mm-hmm. That's not bad at all. No, it's great, but it can get it can be really tough. Can on get their nuts and advice if yeah. they don't. And the and the goal is not to take advantage of people. It's to have a sustainable partnership, right? right. And so that's yeah, why sure. Yeah, and that's why we've kind of moved into, like, let's split the risk, but then the upsides, the upside is much better in for a both joint of venture you. for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, But there's risk in it, too. But at least they're not trying to pay money out when they haven't sold the house or something. Right. I mean, you know, there's no guarantee in that. The housing market was on fire, obviously, during COVID yes. and everything. So that was, that was easy to do. So after you started doing flips and things like that, you started keeping the books when you're doing the flips. What are you, what are you, what did you kind of move into for a big girl job? Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I you're how old at this time? I was, let's see what year that's been. I was like 37. Okay. Yeah. 36, 37. And, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was going to be, I was already, John Casimus called me like as soon as I left Zoe's and he's like, come help me with Maki Fresh and Jinsei. And so I kind of went 
sort of consulting for him right yeah. out of the gate. But I knew I wanted to open my own business. I knew I wanted to start my own brand. Not and food. Well, I thought about it. Yeah. I went, so I went to New York and I looked at um, 17 different restaurant concepts. And for four, franchises. Four fitness. No, I was just going to get some inspiration. I did not want to franchise because there's something to be said for building the brand from the bottom up. Sure. And I, I had, I'd got to sort of do that a little bit at Zoe's, but not really. I wasn't there from the conceptualization. And I'm not against franchising. I hope that's something that we do at Battle. Um, but I knew that at this point I wanted to I wanted to go see if I could do it from scratch. Right. And I knew I was going to miss my team. I had a fantastic team. It was like my work family. Right. Um, and I knew I, so I knew I wanted a team. I mean, flipping was great, but you don't really have like Solo. a team. Yeah. yeah. You and you and one or two other people. Yeah. And consulting is is great, but I mean, I have a team now, but I, I didn't then. So I knew I wanted to do something with yeah. a team. So I looked at looked at restaurants. Um, I was really burnt out on that, though. I mean, the hiring, you know, and retention. And I was, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job of it sure. with my team, but it still was like, it was just tough. I mean, right. it didn't hadn't gotten any easier for people. No. Um, I still love it. Like, I still would probably look at <laughs> doing it again because I, I do really enjoy the hospitality industry right. but um so I knew I wanted to do a boutique like boutique fitness or a restaurant which sounds so crazy like no. one or the other but I felt like I could get into those Leah who yep. I grew up with has a fantastic fitness background she played it at Fama D1 out of Greensboro mm -hmm. yep. and then she coached in the WNBA I mean she's she's like she is she's top, awesome. top level and so we had opened the coffee shop together didn't know that. Yep. And so I called her and I was like, hey, you want to go to New York with me? Like, I, I think like there's some concepts up there in boxing inspired, like Rumble, Shadow Box that we don't have. We didn't have anything right. like it down yeah. here. And so I was like, I'm going to go look at a bunch of restaurants and some fitness up in New York because I think we're always last to get things down here and it sort of annoys me. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, why, don't maybe you don't I don't have an original idea, but let me just go see what's working really well. So the, up there. so the, here's the. The great thing is you knew you wanted to do something, wasn't sure, but you knew that typically New York and L.A. concepts, things yeah. hit first. Yep. Part of the reason is the influx of all the different human beings that live there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Second thing is, in my opinion, is people aren't afraid to take a chance. Absolutely. So they take chances on these, these odd things. And so then that's when. Yeah. So we went to New York. <laughs> Um, and it was kind of a weird day. I flew in by myself mm -hmm. the first day. Leah came in the next day after. And um. I went to shadow box first, but it was, um, I'd been gone from Zoe's probably three, four weeks at that point. Oh, and I didn't know it was that quick. It was like really quick. I was going to take some time off, but I'm not good at that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I was, I was having a day, man. I mean, you know, you travel, get on a plane by yourself is some introspection. Sure. I mean, it brings it buddy. And I was like, man, I just, I, I, I'm not with my people that I've mm -hmm. been with for 13 and a half years. And so I was having kind of having a tough day and I was like you know it was a little bit I felt pretty good and confident about figuring things out but I really didn't know what didn't the heck know, I yeah. was gonna do um and so I went in and I went to this boxing concept and it's it's quite a bit different than what we do at battle but it still has some similarities and one of them was I mean you're just they kind of let you go and let you kind of fight out whatever you need to fight out for a little bit during yeah. the class and I didn't know how much I needed like that like just to just physical release right. of getting just some sadness, I think, off yeah. my chest a little bit. But I walked out of there and I felt so, like, I had, like, some swagger. I was That's like, let's awesome. go. I yeah. mean, I don't know. It was really, I mean, fit, fitness in itself does does that for mm -hmm. a lot of people, right? But there was something about the physical, like, fighting through something that yeah. resonated with me a lot. And I have, I have no boxing background, obviously. I'm a big sports person. But I don't know. There was just something there that I was like, man, I want to keep doing that. Right. And there's, there was nothing like that down there. So you saw the boxing places. You kind of reminded your mind up that you want to do a restaurant, but you saw the boxing places. So that's when you and yeah. Leah started Battle Republic. We did. So tell us about that here <laughs> in Birmingham. you got two places here in Birmingham. We do. We do. And um, we're looking in Tuscaloosa and Trustville currently. Trustville. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we – this was early 18, right? Yep. And um, I literally told Leah – the first time I mentioned it to her, she was like, okay, Lindsay. Now, what was Leah doing at the time besides <laughs> so, the coffee shop? It's interesting how the world works. Um, Leah had been in Seattle coaching for the storm up there. Okay. She had just moved back. She opened her own gym back in Greensboro because she just she kind of felt a calling to come back home. Her grandmother was was sick, and, mm -hmm. and she just 
think, you know, she'd been kind of going hard at it in the coaching world for a while, and she just felt the tug to come back home. And there really wasn't a gym in Greensboro. There also wasn't a coffee shop, so we just opened them. Yeah, um, her gym's still there. still does really well. Um, Yeah, so she was back home, and I think she'd been there for a little while, but she was, I could tell she was getting bored. Sure. So it just kind of worked out. I mean, she was doing that and, and doing pretty well at it, but. So you yeah. start you started the gym. Where does Lewin come in? How did y'all get hooked up with Lewin? So Lewin yep. owns um, Wheelhouse Academy here he in does. Birmingham. Uh-huh. Wonderful business owner. He will he will be. I'll be talking to him at some point. So how did Lewin get involved? Because so, he owns a gym. Yep. So we kind of had this this internal conversation in the beginning of we could go we could put some money in it, but not not put too much money into battle and. We're like, okay, we could, you know, it's a gym, it's fitness, it's new to me. And, and then we were like, you know what, let's do it right. Like, yeah. let's let's treat it like it's going to be something yeah. and that it's going to grow. And so we went to Kevin McClendon, who's a, a buddy yeah. of mine. He was at Telegraph then, and I knew that they were really good at branding and, and the marketing side, which I did not have much experience mm. in at that point. So we talked to him first. He's like, I'm in. So he got a small piece of equity for full brand right. and web and all that on the front end. He recommended Lewin to us because we needed, we really wanted a consultant to yeah. help, and that's what Lewin was doing. Um, he all he owned Wheelhouse Academy, but he also was doing Wheelhouse Consulting. Right. And so we hired him as a consultant. And he on the on the front end of all of that, he helped do all the iron traps. Yeah, I mean, fancy, a lot of people don't realize that. Background. Like Lewin's name's not on any of the iron trap stuff. No, but, but he Lewin knows helped all the things. Oh yeah. Forrest and Jim with. Yeah. All the Iron Tribe stuff, and now he owns Wills. If you've never met Lewin Wynn, he is an awesome human being. Oh, uh, he's the best. He's the best. And he he has so much knowledge in that space. Yeah. Um, so it was easy to see why he was a consultant. In it. Yeah. Um, but the more we got to talking to him, we just really meshed really well with him. And, we, and Kevin was there, and they're still they're still in it with us. Kevin I mean, they're and Lewin? Act, mm-hmm, yeah. They're not active in it um, yeah. very much, but Lewin's still a great resource for us. He sent us a lot of really good humans that still work with us. But, yeah, Lewin had to teach us how to box. Mm, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, and not only that, he'd watched the concept grow and scale. He'd seen what had been done right, what had not been done right. He consulted, I think, I want to say like 100 other gym concepts outside of that wow. when he left Iron Tribe. So, I mean, kind of what I do a lot with restaurants and stuff, he was going and doing for Jim. So he was a great resource. And he kind of, he kind of like was like, you could tell, I could sort of tell he might want to get involved, but he didn't right. really know what that. And so when he brought it up, we were like, yeah. So no, so, <laughs> yeah. so this is, okay, this is a great example. And this is like where you and I, I put you on Cody Sanchez. Yep. So Cody's wonderful. And so this is really, you've done this before, a lot of her concepts before, you've done it. So you give people equity in the company. Yep. So Kevin, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to give you equity in the company, but we need you, instead of paying 10, 5, 10, 15, 20, $30,000 yep. for a website, brand, all the colors, all the all that stuff, you're going to get equity, but we're not going to pay you anything because you're going to get part of the ownership. Correct. And Correct. then you did the same, same thing, thing with Lewin. But in consulting work. But in consulting, like yeah. help us to conceptualize this. So. Lindsay and Leah give money. Lewin and Kevin give wisdom and knowledge and, and obviously assets, things, and that's how yeah. the company, that's awesome. Yeah, and so the are you we, all the four part four owners? So we just brought on another investor that um, brought, she's brought cash in to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're getting ready to grow. And she, she sought us out. She's a local doctor here in town, very self-made. She's a client at Battle. And um, she hit us up and kind of a deal we couldn't. That's yeah and and you know um it's a good we've had we've sat in front of a lot of people like a lot of people have kind of hit us up about like when y'all want to grow or you want an investor and we've talked to a lot of people but it it has to be the right person no doubt okay Not, so this, this is a question i have and this is a question i know people want to know <clears throat> four people on the thing mm-hmm. on the gym you know it's time to grow yep Susie comes in Yep. Susie's the name I use for every everybody. Fair enough. <laughs> Susie's the name and comes in. And mm-hmm. so Susie has money just like you had when you had Zoe's. Yep. Susie's got money. Hey, I want to invest. Yep. Let's just use the number. How do you how do you figure that out? Figure that out with what how much money she's gonna bring versus how much equity she's gonna get. And do you split the equity do you pull from each each all the four people's equity. So technically, our operating our operating agreement states that first of all, Lee and I are the only voting members. I'm the managing member. I'm the majority owner. Okay. Um. 
and I brought in the money and everybody else put in sweat. Okay. okay? So when this happened, I during COVID, I was also the one that continued to put in money yeah. to make sure because we were only we were one year old brand and in the middle of building our second location. I didn't think about that, yeah. So um, <laughs> people are using equipment. <laughs> I will tell you this, yeah. I will. I mean, I will tell you the the story, but it's a very. I'd say it's a very rare situation. It just goes to show why you get into business with the people you get into business with. Yeah. So um, based on the operating agreement, I could have done a cash call whenever I wanted to yeah. and said, everybody, man up the part, whatever I'm putting in, your part you do equal, or I'm taking your equity. I mean, I, to I could have done that. I wasn't going to do that. Sure. In fact, I mean, I did my best to not try to bother anybody. But what ended up happening, because we had done it that way and we'd done tried to be good partners and, right. and, and good on that first first of all Leah's in there busting it every day right and then Lou and Kevin have been nothing but good to us right so I just felt like that was not the right thing to do yeah. but what ended up happening is Leah and I did not take a hit and the boys did because they're not in there working and they didn't have to put in anything during a really tough time yeah. for the brand um, and so and they're happy about it because now their part is gonna be worth more, more. because we just brought in we just brought in money and since she put in money she got voting rights because i believe that if you're going to put in a lump sum of money you should at least be able to say you can sell the company or not so she puts in dollars mm -hmm. how much yeah. equity does susie get how do you value the dollar amount how do you do that so i did i mean i did a pretty basic valuation yeah. of the company i mean luckily i do that you do that um, all the so time. you know we looked at obviously assets forward-looking um profitability we made some assumptions based on we still had a little bit of COVID in that um, right. trailing 12 months and you know we we were very i am probably a little too generous sometimes on stuff mm -hmm. like that but at the end of the day it's like does everybody feel good about it does everybody feel like they have value and no one's getting screwed no one's over, getting screwed including myself um and that's where we landed but the value i mean honestly it was a pretty simple valuation and i said this is and it was of the brand which is different right. we won't ever do that again We'll, we'll never let in, I mean, I say that. It would be a bigger, a much bigger sale if we were ever going to do anything else because coming in at the brand level is very different than coming in at a store level, right? Because now she owns mm. part of the brand. She owns part of Homewood and the Summit. She owns part of anything that ever opens And if it goes to Tuscaloosa, umbrella. you mm -hmm. got, ah. Yeah. So it's, a very it's very different, but the valuation is still like what the, the guy, what was harder to me was the sweat equity offer on the front end when there's not even a building. And, but it worked out. I mean, we work, it worked, and they've been diluted, and they still have a nice, they still have they a still piece have a good, that matters, yeah. right? And so there's no playbook on that. Right. I mean, I, I literally, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you just have to sit down. Even right now, we're probably about to do a joint venture on potentially on Trustful or Tuscaloosa. And I look at it as they have to be able to make money doing what they're doing, and then we need to be able to make money, but also we're doing proof of concept so maybe it's okay if we don't make as much as them on the first one because they they're gonna go run through a wall because right. they're gonna have the upside it's so it's i say it it's just so situational right. on how you structure a deal so what's the goal and that, this yeah like it i mean you start a business yeah there's a part in your mind that says let's grow 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 to sell it what is the goal what do you think the goal is? Like, what to, do you feel like the goal is? I mean, to me, the goal is first of all, there's a huge like culture soul piece to what we do, sure. and we've seen that in real life. So, it's not all about the money, but at the end of the day, it, it still is about the money. Yeah. But it's like, how do you create a bigger footprint to make a positive impact on more people? How do you do it the right way? Mm -hmm. How do you put the right real estate? We've learned a lot with the two that we have. We're we're making the footprint smaller with the same work, workout room size but I think the thing is that we want to go proof of concept on a JV one more corporate and then we've already built it from the front to franchise so that's something I really didn't talk about like we trademarked on the front end yeah. our training systems are incredible the programming is replicatable like for, if we open another one there's no more programming that has to be done for the third or the fourth or the fifth it's already it's been same. done um, the playlist and everything like that and really building systems that are so simple for the team that they can focus on taking good care of people that yeah. walk through the door. So you have so. to think through that. Okay, yeah. so where did, in this process, Empire came in? Empire was actually first on accident. Um, when Empire, John, M -P -I -R -E. yeah. M-P-I-R-E. M-P-I-R-E, okay. yeah. So it was just me in the beginning, but I just started getting phone calls. I mean, as soon as people heard that I left, 
Did you love Zoe's? Zoe's, it was mostly restaurant owners, and they wanted either operations consulting or financial consulting. Um, a lot of those ops in the beginning, like, they were like, I don't know what to do. Um, and what I found very quickly is that most of them just didn't have reporting. Like, it was hard to tell them where to even start. Because um, the first question you ask is, let's look at the books and see yeah. where you are, how much you spend on this, how much mm -hmm. you spend on that. Yeah. And then they look at you like you've got a unicorn horn know. coming out of your forehead yeah, and say know. you don't know. Yeah, I mean, okay. I could go in and say you're you're not executing the way you need to and people aren't in the right places and, you know, like, okay, you've only got two on the line, you really need three on line during peak. I mean, I could tell them all that, but what I found is that operations consulting is way more difficult because I can't go in there and enforce it every day. Yeah. And so what I really learned out of that front-end experience, so I started doing some of that um, in 18. Um, what I learned out of that is that I, I wanted to work with people that already were operators like you. Um, people that knew how to like knew how to get in there and run their day to day and, and right. run their business well and they knew their concept but they just needed help with kind of the crap that nobody really either doesn't know and hasn't been exposed to or they don't want to deal with which is the financial side or really thinking through what is the best way to do this from a profitability standpoint um, and so I just I just started really noticing that small business owners just don't have access to yeah. a, a CFO level type of consultant so what tell how, how many clients do you have at Empire? 47. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that was the number. I was thinking yeah. you were going to say like 14. No. Okay. So tell, give me the, the 30 second version of like, you're literally in an elevator talking to somebody. Yeah. I don't know a company called Empire and we do. We do small business to mid cap bookkeeping and we offer a CF, like CFO consulting at an out, at a partial price. Right. So we're, um, we're outsourced CFO and, and admin and finance right. team for people. And we do it, we can scale to what people need, right? Yeah. So some people just need their books done and they don't, they need to, at tax time, they need to make sure everything's done. And some people need AP and AR and they need stuff off their plate so they can go really do what they're good at. Okay. We're just a value add. So all of these things, Zoe's, Battle, Empire, how has life changed? since your kid came along so tell us about your, your baby yeah her name is miller jean okay. she's a little chunk -lonk. um she's awesome so how she, old is she she's 17 months old okay. it's a little, total toddler right now so independent um it's changed completely and then i'd say i've i feel like it's taken me a while to figure out how to get some of the pieces back to like they were before which everybody can relate to but she was a surprise yep and we were uh in the middle of the pandemic you know I mean, right. yeah, so it was like late 2020 when I found out. And um, I actually had to pick up and move with her dad for like 11 months to South Alabama. So I was managing the businesses from afar. That's why you have really good teams, man. That's right. why you yeah. have really good people around you. Um, and it, my, my identity had kind of been, I mean, I've just been a worker. I've, yeah. been a, I've been a get it done like learn every from everything you do and just like make things happen and look for the next thing and I had to hit I had to stop for a minute I mean one I was physically incapable of going doing, and doing yeah. as, as much as I was doing but um and then you know you get that it's taken me 17 months I'd say and I'm still don't have it right but to really find that rhythm of being a good parent yeah. and still giving your your because you also still have a, ba a business baby I mean two business babies right and, we talk and about you know all that. the time like your business is your next child yeah you got kid but yeah. you, like it's your it's your other kid so okay so this is an interesting question so because like a lot of people changed through covid because it taught them to be smarter taught them to do be better whatever or people just totally failed so what do you think helped you better going through covid or having a kid meaning like i've streamlined because yeah you are real similar to I am like, Hey, I'll go, I'll go take care of it. Let's go do it. Whatever. Yeah. So which one do you think made you better? I think having a kid made me really get better at, I already knew, but I wasn't good at developing the people around me better to make sure that things still get done to the level they need to without me having to do it. And it's something I've always known in my career, sure. but you talk about it really being forced on you. I mean, the moving too on top of it, I mean, and trusting and kind of seeing potential come out of people that you maybe knew was there, but you're like, oh gosh, I should have done this. I should have yeah. given them this a long time ago. Right. I should have set them up better before this even happened. I mean, COVID, COVID was just a punch to the gut. We were literally about to open the summit. 
and okay, yeah. we had been open for one year and crushing yeah. in Homewood. And um, we got no relief out of Summit because we were op- we opened during COVID. So we were like opened at half capacity. Total overhead came back when we reopened. We're paying the same. We never laid anybody off. We kept paying everybody. Um, and we made it out the other side and we're fine. It's not like, I mean, we just we came, a, rough, a just, rough period. You're all your cash is depleted when you come out of the other side of that. Yeah. And, and then you're just, you kind of start to second guess your concept because you only got one year of it doing really well. And then you're like, I don't know what this is now. Is it, yeah. is it us or is it this? That was, that made me better at, um, finding a way forward no matter what, Yeah. you know, like really saying I'm not giving up yet. There's one more thing I can do. And there's one more thing I could do. But having a kid makes you, for me, it has made me more empathetic as a leader, mm-hmm. for sure. Because, I mean, I, th- I think I was probably, like, okay at that before. But people that had kids, I didn't get it. I didn't know. No. And so now I'm, and I'm definitely. And you can't explain it. No. Like, no. I tell people all the time, you cannot explain going to ball practice, being home for this, a kid being sick. You can't explain that, and you can't explain the love that you have in your soul until it actually happens. Oh, 100%. Even if even being pregnant. Yeah. And having a kid on the way, you can't explain it. And it's and I just sit there and say, "You know what? I'd love to talk about it, but I can't really can't explain. It. You'll know when that baby pops out." Yeah. And as soon as it does, everything changes. And I tell people this all the time. You view things through a different set of glasses once you have a kid. Because Absolutely. Things in society, things in business, your time, all those things take another it, I mean, it's the best way to say it. You view it through another lens, and it's not bad or good. It's just a different way to look at things. Yeah. It, I can see how people get – I can see how it, like, eats people up and, like, Absolutely. takes them out. Man, we talk about – I have been very fortunate. We, we did not have as much help when we were in South Alabama, mm-hmm. and now she's finally gotten into daycare. She was on a wait list. Um, you talk – I went back to work two weeks after I – gave birth you know and it was it was tough it was tough Mm -hmm. it was the first time I felt like I couldn't I couldn't do anything well like I felt like I could like I wasn't being there enough for her and I wasn't I didn't know I mean it's it's like a kid and you're like I mean there's no instruction manual so I'm doing something where I'm a pretty I mean any entrepreneur I feel like has to have quite a bit of confidence you know I'm like I'm confident person I'm like what is happening (laughs) right now what like Google is not my friend Um, and so, uh, you know, props to, to my partner sticking through all that because it was, it was some days where I didn't even know myself really, because I was so unsure of how to handle and do the right thing by her. And that was so important that to pivot my mind into a business meeting was like, yeah. I mean, woo. 14 seconds ago, I had a baby <laughs> on my boobs. Right, And then you're like, okay, let's talk about your financial statements and where you need to improve your profitability. And you're like, oh my, I'm like, oh my, am I awake? Am I right. here? And, um, and so that was, we've really hit a great, I mean, it's still tough. Don't get me wrong, but like having her, she's at the JCC now and mm-hmm. she's got great help there. And we have a girl here that helps us a little bit, but I mean, my, Philip works. 10 hour days too and sure. what he does and we're, we're career people but I have just learned to make balance I have like yeah. forced it on myself and some things can wait uh, my friend Jenny Levin says some balls are plastic and some balls are glass and the glass ones can't fall and the, and the plastic ones might and can. you figure that out really quickly and you do and um, I've learned to not over promise myself as much sure. too and I was always like I could do that. I mean, I could grind grind it out and fit, find a way, but now, I mean, then you miss something. When you have, kid. here's what I've noticed, and you, you do a good job at this, because I'll ask you, if can you do this? Can you do this time? What about this? What about that? When you have kids and you have a business, you become great if you're good at both. You yeah. become great at saying no. You have to. Because you cannot fit everything yeah. in. So, okay, so my next question is this. You, do you think you're going to have any more kids? Whew. So I'm 40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've talked about it. If we do, it would be next year. But um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. some, I, sometimes I, I get worried that maybe there's not, like, this season of life of, of business growth, you know, I, I, I just wouldn't want to not be able to give what I need to give to, to anything. And I think... I think we've just been through the tougher part with 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 Miller right now. Like we're just getting to where she can do for herself a little bit. But more. let me tell you something. <laughs> I tell people this: until they can wipe their butt on their own, yeah. and until they're out of a car seat, yeah. there's always something 
there. And it's not bad. It's no. just a fact. It's, it's like, just always being on. I mean, yes, I think that's a great I, I had say. like a li- like a moment in the bathtub Sunday night where I was just like, okay, <laughs> like yeah. I've, I've been on for 21 days in a row. That's how I felt. I like look back and I was like, okay, I had a half day that day where I wasn't working or I wasn't engaged with my child which she's not work but it, it, it you can't no, just it, like it's breathe. okay it's, it's, she's work yeah she my, is. i got three of them that's work <laughs> yeah and the best kind of way but you know i think um and i, I said i gotta do i gotta do better at that yeah because i'm a big believer in the airplane scenario where the reason you put your mask on before you help somebody else is for a good reason sure. because you'll pass out while you're trying to help no them, and then you're not going to help anybody and so I think as we t- people talk about self care and like making time for yourself and exercise, I, yeah, eating and I, right, yeah. I think people think it's like a selfish thing to do, no. but at the end of the day, it's like the least selfish thing you can do because you cannot do for others if you have nothing left to do. You're the most important person in your life, yeah. And if you are not taken care of, yeah, your fiance can't be taken care of, yeah. Miller can't be taken care. Of, I mean, and you can't take care of the, any of the businesses. You can't. So. Okay, so all the things, empire, battle, uh, flipping, what is your main source of income? Like empire. your empire. Yeah. So empire is like your, quote, let's just use the word salary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's, empire is your salary. It's not ju- my only, but it's the bulk of it. Um, and it's where I spend. Most I, I spend most of my time. But I have a team. At fitness, is, I'm not a coach. Right. I don't know how, they are very good at that. Yeah. I, if you see me on a stage coaching class, like something has gone Something's wrong. wrong. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know my role, right? I've got really good people in a place. So I, more of that money is going towards paying people that are better at it. Do you, me. do you take, um, what, how much, how many, how much time do you spend on battle a week? Um, we have, I'd say probably an hour and a half a day. Just really, I'm almost consulting for my own business to some extent, but we have a full team meeting every Monday. It's like a two and a half hour deep dive and we go over KPIs and we go over like what we're doing for the next month, where we are right now, team, like we do a team review. And so I spend a lot, I'd spend a lot of quality time on that Monday so that I'm not putting fires out for the rest of the week. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of the last questions I have is like, as a parent, as a business owner, we've talked about this before. What are you like studying right now? Like what's the, not, maybe not the next thing, but what are you studying like, hey, I'm not really good at this, or hey, I want to get better at this. What are you, what are you studying? You know, I really want to get, um, I, I, gosh, I feel like it's every day. I was just learning about a B Corp, which is, like, news to me. I don't um, know what that is either. It's, it's like, a socially, um, fisc- socially and fiscally sound business. Things, Patagonia is one. Like, I, I just, I think I am constantly learning about whatever kind of crosses <laughs> my desk. Because I always want to be able to at least, I'm not going to be an expert at everything, but mm-hmm. I want to know who to talk to about things. And so networking is something that I do enjoy because it helps me be like, I don't know that, but here's somebody who does. Um, I, I enjoy, love doing that. I enjoy that piece too. Yeah. And um, and because you get to do for others, right? I mean, you get business for somebody else and you don't put it all on yourself. I think a lot of times people try to like be everything mm. to everybody and say they can do it. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. But this so person does it. does it really well but i'm still trying to learn like i'm reading a lot about like scaling and like yeah. how you scale um the structure that you scale in and the way that you can hedge your like hedge your risk on that because small ba- battles so different than real estate and so different than i mean empires no overhead except the people on the payroll like it yeah you're not building out a brick and mortar and in real estate you're you own a piece of property power you're leasing in battle you're selling a service and a culture and a feeling yeah and it is it's it sort of has kicked my butt like being in that space because it's so different right and um i'm actually learning a lot more about the sales process because i've never been a like a salesman and we're having to train our front desk not to be pushy, but how to actually close a membership sale. Mm. And we didn't do that before COVID because we didn't have to. Then it was COVID. And so I, we're, we're, we brought in a consultant from Orange Theory and asked how they do it because it's a good I, model. Yeah, they a good are model. really good at that part. I mean, really, really good at that part. Their average unit volume is like three times what we do, and we do pretty well. And yeah. And wow. so I'm like, tell me how to do that. And so I'm really becoming a student of my own industry right now yeah. in ways that I um, 
I just don't know. Sure. And so that was cool to sit in front of someone that's with a concept that's really doing something do well, and they can be like, "Here's what you need to the do." The thing about I like the like about them is there are a lot of people that are you never heard the book or heard of the book raving fans. Mm-hmm. Orange yeah. Theory people are like CrossFit people. Yeah. So CrossFit people <laughs> love it. They do. And they buy the clothes, they buy the shoes, yep. they buy the gear. All in. Orange Theory people are the same way. They love it. They, do. they think that anything else is heresy, yep. and they love it. So, if you have you learned it, a lot from those guys, I learned how they the way they handle a rookie, like what we call a rookie, like a first timer when they come in, mm. is really insightful and very pers- like it personalized. We we're not big on we're very like inclusive, and we want even if you come once a week or twice a month that you feel the same kind of welcoming and family feel that like someone that comes five times a week does. Right. And we train our people and we hire people around that culture. So it's kind of funny cause we're not like trying to be like, Oh, we're better than everybody else. Sure. We're literally just trying to be like, Hey, we're going to love on you when you come in here and you're going to feel sane and you're going to get a heck of a workout. And it's a really cool environment. But so we kind of had to change our mindset a little bit cause you are, you're, you're trying to convince someone to buy a membership, but yeah. you want to do you're it selling. in a way. Yeah, you're selling, but you want to do it in a way that feels on brand. So we they they are they're just data driven people, and I don't know if I want to go all the way that way, but there's some of it that we needed to be doing. Yeah. It can touchy feely is great, and soul and culture is great, but you can't fund it mm-hmm. without the bottom line Body, working. And, well, then bodies in there. Yeah, and so we've really taken a look at our experience and stuff like that. But at the end of the day the way they convert like 80% of the new people that walk through the door into a membership. Yeah. That's nuts. It's stupid. It's gotta be industry leading. I mean, everybody else I talked to is like 30, 30, 35. So if 10 people walk in the door, eight of them are signing up for something. Yeah. And that's recurring revenue. Right. And so it's what I've really tried to figure out for for three years is like what drives everything. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's recurring revenue. It drives yeah. everything, which I know, but it's like, okay, well, if it's going to be the focus, then how do we make it the focus? So we've been we've been doing sales training Good. with our team, and we put in an incentive plan that really right. focuses on not the noise. Talked about that yesterday. Yeah, it's it's we're going to focus on membership sales, so you get paid off of membership sales yeah. and nothing else. That's that awesome. is what we want you to worry about. What have I forgotten about you? Anything that else is going on? I mean, probably not. I don't think. I mean, gosh, I feel Lindsay like, Miller in an hour. <laughs> I mean, I think um, I really am such a country person that is like kind of stuck in a city. And I mean, people close to me know, but like, I don't want nothing more than to go back and farm. Really? Yeah. You think one day you'll probably end up going back and doing that? I would love to. Um, my mom just took over. Um, her and my uncle are running our family farm now. My mm-hmm. granddaddy passed earlier this year. and My dad passed 10 years ago um, in a car accident coming back from hunting. And so that was a catalyst for me to kind of grow up a lot. Yeah. And, but I was already doing really well uh, on my mm-hmm. path. But kind of gave me my why. I wanted to always make sure I was creating opportunity for myself and my family. No matter, like, because because if they needed it sure and so i think that's i guess my why is something that i think is i think everyone should really understand like what makes them go right and run everything through that because if it doesn't fit if it doesn't run through that filter then rethink why you're doing something um but if i'm not creating opportunity for myself or someone next to me then right that then what am i doing that's awesome what are, what do you got for me anything i well first of all you so you did you coach the whole time you were gone yeah, so I left in 02, 03, excuse me, and I went did high school for two years. Okay. And then was at NC State for two years. And that's, that's a right. whole other story. Uh, and then I was at Tennessee Tech for six years. Did not know Will at the time, but then we got out. So I was there. I was doing did that for like 10 years. And then for five years, I was meal fit in Tennessee. Got and then we it. moved back here. Okay. So we've been doing meal fit table and meal fit for 10 years, dang, 10 years. Yeah. And so I've been doing it for 10 years. So I, I admire the way that you see opportunities and you find a way to get involved when it's a really good opportunity or, or you find, I mean, you've, you've branched out. You're not still just doing one thing. I mean, you do m- multiple things too and you do that. You, you do them well. Thank you. 
Um, but I, I guess my one question for you would be, you know, what would be your best piece of advice for a new parent that is also <laughs> running multiple businesses? Um, I think what you hit on is very important. I think you got to have a great team. That's, that's huge. Yeah. People that you, like, for example, we're leaving next week and leaving for five days, and I had no worries at all. Obviously, I'll have a little bit of work on my front right, end. We're going to be gone. I won't be reached. Um, that's number one. But I think the thing that ha that's helped me the most the last um, probably six months to a year is I typically don't work when I get home. And that's very, very hard for some yeah. people. I would rather be home an hour late. Yep than go present. home and work yeah so i now granted i work a lot in the morning mm -hmm. because i work before my kids get up and yeah. i'm fine with that i try 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 not to work a bunch when my kids are awake i love that so because i don't want jonna georgia and tegan to see daddy always working yeah because it's a there's a big difference of me I don't want them to me constantly be on my phone or on the computer or whatever and them trying to come and get my attention if I'm there and they need my attention I want to be able to give it to them at least hey hang on one second let me do this I'll be right there and it not always be centered around work right so hiring and I didn't hire at the beginning stages because I was I did everything tried yeah. to do everything Bootstrap. but then um I hate the word balance. You used the word balance earlier. I'm more like, hey, let's be super focused in one direction and let's be super focused in the other direction. I think that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. I think I've, I've finally have found some, some something in that. Yeah. But it is protecting my calendar. Mm -hmm. But still not saying no to everything, just saying what I can do. Yeah. Being realistic about it. But I, I like that. I mean, I think yeah. I think people kind of discount what it, how it feels to feel unimportant when you're standing beside your parent and they're 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 not present right yeah. i mean it, it's it's gonna happen sometimes but sure constantly um yeah. i mean that that's a tough feeling to get over sometimes so, so i'm trying to trying to limit that as much as i can yeah um but i also i mean i i probably take less money because i hire yeah i do too like i take i, I make less physical yeah. like make less cash yeah. because i've got more people in place that can do the things that honestly a, I don't want to do, but B, I'm not very good at. Yeah, I'm so, a believer. I, I'm same here. I mean, you know, I could, I could, I could definitely do that too. But we could make more money. Yeah. But we would also be stressed more, or have less time. But it's just, it's not worth it. So it's not. And so, I mean, the time you spend developing your people is one of the most important yep. investments you make. And I've got to do a better job at that. Well, we all do. I mean, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's hard to, when you're in your own business every day, yeah. it's hard to see it sometimes. Yep. That's why it's really cool to talk to people and just like get reminders of like things that you kind of know, yeah. but that you're like, man, I need to probably you be doing that doing a little that bit better. better. Yeah. And re refocusing, I think people, um, and I guess one thing, I know a lot of people, I know you said people listen to this that are maybe thinking about doing something different or going yeah. into business for themselves. And that's something you have to constantly be a learner if you're ever gonna go do something. It's never by yourself. You're not going to do something by yourself. <laughs> you know, you have to, con you almost have to seek out mentorship even more because you don't have a boss. Well, and here's the thing too, everything changes so rapidly. Yeah. So like, yeah. <laughs> whether, whether it be the marketing or whether it be the financial part of it, like everything changes so rapidly, it's incredibly hard to stay on top of everything, yeah. which is why you need, hey, this is Lindsay's job, this is Sam's job, this is your job, this is my job, like, yeah. so that you can be not siloed so much, but like really focused on this, hey, Thomas, this is changing, like for a table in time, Ari, Ari's got her world, and she says, hey, we need to do this more, we do this more. Yeah. For example, she's like, hey, we need to do more video. Well, how can we do that? Because I'm not going to do video all the time. Right. I don't have the time, right. don't want to make, the, excuse right. me, I don't want to make the time to do video all the right. time. And so she's like, well, let's do this. And so she came up with a plan Perfect. and we're doing it and it's helped. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And I'm just writing a check. Hire for your gaps. That's it. That's yeah, it. Anything for sure. else? What else? Tell me about this place we're in. Okay. Right so now. we have the wonderful, a wonderful opportunity to be housed at Highlands College. So what they did at Highlands College, they created this podcast studio because they get everything that's coming and they know that that the podcast and the verbal communication and even video communication is on the forefront. 
And so they have this wonderful podcast studio that, like Pastor Chris, yeah. houses his podcast here, the Grow Leader Podcast. I'll check it out; it's really good. But then this also gives them an opportunity for the kids that are in the creative practicum to work behind oh. the cameras to see and do the, do those things. But it also there's going to be like Pastor Mark Mark Pettis is going to start one. But we everything we do at Highlands College is is um is they do at Highlands College is top notch. These guys are wonderful. It's if you're wanting to go into ministry from a practical standpoint to learn how to spread the gospel, mm-hmm. this is the place to go. It's a wonderful place. Very, very um, inclusive as far as like we take, we, they're growing slowly yeah. so that they can be great at what they're doing. Do so right. it's a wonderful place. It's um, beautiful. It's beautiful. It is so, absolutely beautiful. Good. So. Hey, thank you for being here. I'm thank so you. thankful for you and just all the, the, the stuff you have with our business, but also just your friendship and just the things that I call at random times and say, hey, what do you think about this? And you're always like, well, let's talk about this. And so, <laughs> but I really appreciate it so well, much. Well, I appreciate you. It's, uh, it's cool to get to know a little bit more about you too. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you.